today on Ag News Daily. Small little base of people, and we started putting some videos out there, and then it kind of started becoming a competition of, you know, Tanner put a video out of, I think he was uh, grain vacuuming soybeans or something like that, and it got a million views. Good afternoon and happy Friday from the Ag News Daily podcast. It's Ashton Carr joined by Delaney Howell this Friday. And Delaney, it has been a cold and wet day today in Lubbock. So I'm snuggled up in long sleeves and really just enjoying my day. I love this kind of weather. I'm going to guess, Ashton, that it is probably warmer here in Des Moines than it is down there in Lubbock today. Maybe. It's been in the low to mid-60s today. I think the high is supposed to be like 68 or something. Well, Ashton, I haven't looked at the forecast or the temperature as of this afternoon, but this morning heading into work, it was about mm, 65, 70 degrees. It's pretty humid here. We're getting a little more rain today, which is definitely much needed. But yeah, I'm going to guess it's warmer here than it is down there. I'm just ready for it to be, I say pretty cold. I don't like it when it gets like terribly cold. Um, but I'm ready for the fall weather and Texas is normally lags in that, I suppose. We don't normally get cold until like early November, but I'm ready for it. So I'm welcoming it with open arms. Yeah, I am too. I like the fall crisp weather. We're of course in the middle of harvest. We're going to be chatting about harvest here coming up with Corey Hillebo. So while we're doing that, Ash, before we we get to that, I should say, let's chat some news for today. And actually, since we're talking, whether that's a good segue here into my first piece of news, uh, talking about South America, however, more dry weather is showing like it is going to happen down there in South America and more specifically Brazil. And of course, this would be continued dry weather because they did have dry weather throughout this past growing season as well. Could, of course, be a pretty bullish fundamental and definitely show some support to the markets because that is such a key growing area for corn and soybeans both. And along that same note, Donex's Brazil's office, Brazilian office this morning actually raised their 21-22 soybean estimate by just a million tons, but still a little surprising that heading into this potentially pretty dry season, we are seeing potential production estimates increased here. So a little bit of a mixed bag there. Well, Delaney, I'm excited to share this piece of much-weighted news. Well, I say that we waited a while to hear this. We don't have the big piece of news here just yet, but it has been announced that U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai will unveil the Biden administration's strategy for the relationship that we have with China, the trade relationship that we have with China, of course. And it's going to be announced on Monday. So we have something to look forward to after the weekend as Tai will deliver remarks on her review of the Chinese trade policy at the Center for Strategic Studies in Washington and participate in a Q&A so we are going to be seeing that on Monday, like I said. Don't know about what time. I say I don't know what time. Maybe I should read ahead a little bit here, Delaney, but we are supposed to hear something 10 a.m. EDT. So we should be able to talk further about this on Monday as that piece of news will be hitting the headlines. And this is going to be or could potentially be a big piece of news, Ashton. Do we have any indication about I know we're talking Chinese trade, but do we have any indication about what the Biden administration is going to put forth? Is it a new policy? Are they going to offer comments on phase two of the trade relationship? Do you know that yet? 
Well, what Representative Tai has said so far is that the U.S. faces very large challenges in its trade relationship with China that require engagement from the Biden administration. So she asked Congress for new trade law tools to counteract massive Chinese state subsidies for high tech sectors. So that's about all we have right now. Okay. That sounds good. At least it's a good step in the right direction. And this piece of news is also a good step in the right direction. Actually, we've got some other news coming out of Congress here as well, because we did see, I believe this came out actually yesterday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, we saw that President Biden signed into law a $10 billion provision that will add some additional government funding to folks impacted by natural disasters in 2020 and 2021. This is for farmers and ranchers, of course, and we're talking natural disasters like wildfires, drought, hurricanes, the derecho, all of those things now will total up to about $10 billion with a B of additional funding that will go until the end or be available until the end of 2023. And this will jumpstart the WIP Plus program that we've talked a little bit about on the podcast before, but the language in the bill will essentially just extend WIP Plus to deal with an array of all of these different agricultural disasters and will be eligible for all sorts of producers. So definitely look into that with your local FSA office to see if you would be eligible to receive some of that additional aid. I also have some news coming from the Hill today. It's Follow up from the story that I talked about yesterday, as we heard some things coming from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi about the infrastructure bill. And earlier today, Pelosi said that she remains optimistic that a vote on the infrastructure bill is still possible after talks ran into early Friday morning. They were talking Thursday, and I guess conversations ran early into Friday. So it sounds like there was a whole lot of talk going on. In fact, Republican Senator Rob Portman of Ohio, who is a co-sponsor of the bill, said that if it's unable to pass, it's a true sign of how partisan Washington has become. So there's a lot kind of going on here when we're talking about the partisanship. I don't know if that's really a word, but um, I think it is. I, I, I would think so. I, I would hope so. I'm not going to make it one in case it is. Yeah, I, I'm making it one. You, you've heard it here first, the partisanship that's kind of going on with this bill. But we've also heard a little bit from those not in Washington, D.C. about the passing of the infrastructure bill, particularly from Nebraska Farm Bureau President Mark McHarg. He says that the passing of the bill would modernize the country's outdated roads and bridges. And it seems that we really need this infrastructure bill. This one in particular invests $110 billion in roads and bridges, $65 billion in broadband, $55 billion in federal water infrastructure projects, and $17.3 billion in ports and inland waterways. So there's a lot of need, it seems, right now when it comes to infrastructure in the ag industry. And the talks, I don't, I can't say, you know, if they're going well or not, but it seems like they're walking on thin ice. Yeah, I would agree with that too, because kind of a good follow-up to that story, Ashton. And to be honest, I need to probably do a better job understanding of how these two things are interwoven, but you're talking infrastructure. The Congress has, or excuse me, the government as a whole just recently was able to pass a short-term appropriations bill to keep the government funded through December 3rd, which President Biden did sign into effect yesterday. 
they just barely beat the the midnight deadline yesterday and basically are just kicking the can down the road as far as budget goes. But I believe that infrastructure package you're talking about is probably a big portion of this government funding in general. I guess all of the news headlines today really just had to deal with government aid and things of that nature because the last story that I have is still talking about aid, but this time to more of our small-scale operations. So if you are a small-scale farmer, food processor, or distributor, or farmer's market, and have been financially impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, you may be able to access up to $20,000 to recover costs related to the pandemic. The National Center for Appropriate Technology is helping producers access these dollars through the USDA's Pandemic Response and Safety Grant Program. There hasn't been a hard date set out yet, but applications are supposed to open in early October and have a 45-day application process. And according to the USDA, the pandemic-related costs that are recoverable through this grant program relate to workplace safety, market pivots, retrofying facilities, transportation, worker housing, and medical issues. It's a non-competitive grant program, so things will be awarded based on eligibility. And to be ready for the application, the USDA is suggesting people go to the USDA's website. And again, that is the Pandemic Response and Safety Grant Program. So if you are a small operation out there, definitely go take this a look. Absolutely, Ashton. Well, I have, I think, just one other piece of news here. You know, we've talked a lot on the podcast about how COVID-19 has drastically impacted a lot of industries, but more specifically, the protein industry. And we know we've been dealing with this here in the United States. We've seen additional government funding going towards those small to medium-sized packers. And while we haven't seen that follow suit in other countries, we are starting to see other countries reporting that they're dealing with these potential supply chain issues. The UK is currently on course for what folks are calling, quote, an acute welfare disaster because they're dealing with a shortage of butchers that could lead to a mass cull of animals nationwide, according to the chairman of the National Pig Association. He said that farmers in just a matter of weeks are going to be unable to get stock to be processed due to staff shortages in the supply chain there in the UK. He said they're just a couple weeks away from having to consider a mass cull of animals in the entire country, which could be anywhere from, he said, the backlog in his region at least is anywhere from 100 to 120,000 head of hogs and growing by about 12,000 head per week. So this could be a very drastic impact we see have happened here in the UK and could potentially lead to some disaster there domestically, but also potentially on the bright side for US producers, maybe potentially increased exports to the UK. Well, Delaney, that is all the news that I have to talk about today. What about you? I believe that is all I had today as well. Besides chatting markets, Ashton, what do you say we hop in and look at where they left us today? I'm ready for it. Well, we certainly saw markets again today, Ashton, trading on yesterday's quarterly grain stocks news. And uh, initially, we saw soybeans pushing about 12, 13, 14 cents lower. We didn't finish quite that low on the day. And we actually initially saw corn being pulled down alongside with it. However, they pulled through today to finish on a high note. And wheat certainly is 
Continuing to trade the news of yesterday's lower production numbers across the wheat complex. So kicking things off here in the December corn contract up four and three quarters cents today to close at 541 and a half. The March up five and a quarter to close at 549 and three quarters. In the soybean pits today, the November contract down nine and a half cents to close at 1246 and a half. The January down nine cents as well to close at 1256 and a half. Now, as I mentioned, wheat today all across the complex was higher. December Chicago wheat up 29 and three quarters cents to close at 755 and a quarter. Hard red KC wheat today up 27 and three quarters cents to close at 759 and a half. Now, hopping over into the livestock markets, we saw some mixed trade today as the December live cattle contract down 52 and a half cents today. To close at 125.20. The February down 62.5 cents to close at 130.02 and a half. And in feeder cattle, say the November contract unchanged on the day to close at 152.90. January down 32.5 cents to close at 153.85. Lean hogs saw some mixed trade today as the December contract shed 22.5 cents to end at 85.17 and a half. The February up a nickel to close at 87.27 and a half. And lastly, Wrapping up with the class three dairy milk futures. November down seven cents today to close at 1819. The December down three cents to end the day at 1785. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to our conversation for today's hashtag Friday episode with Corey Hillibo. Well, for today's hashtag Friday episode, we're joined today by a fellow podcaster, farmer, and Twitter superstar, also TikTok superstar, Corey Hillebo, who farms there in Polk City, Iowa. That's central Iowa for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Iowa geography. Corey, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Um, I don't think I'm a Twitter or TikTok superstar (laughs) by any means, but I am on those platforms. You are. You have a lot of followers, which we can definitely talk about because the, the one that baffles me is how you have... I don't know. I don't, I haven't checked lately, but like 20,000 TikTok followers, but we'll get to that because you post some cool stuff there. Corey, what we really wanted to talk to you about first today was how, how harvest season is going for you guys. I know you just posted on Twitter earlier today or yesterday that you guys are starting to see some disease, but how are things going overall? So overall, we started uh, soybean harvest probably, oh, two weeks ago. And it was fast and furious. Um, the soybeans went, seemed like, from not being ready to way too dry really fast. We just didn't have the moisture or the rain around. We finally got a little bit of rain as of late. But I know several guys that have uh, got soybeans wrapped up and are on to corn. And Corey, I also wanted to ask, um, besides disease, how is moisture and yield going for you guys? Cause I've heard some mixed reviews on yeah. that. Yep. So, so I, I'll go back to the, to the soybean thing. We've, we're going to have a record crop on our farm. Um, and I struggle saying that because I know a lot of people that aren't, um, there, there seemed to be a fine line of moisture where we, we were short on moisture year round. I mean, we, any, our farm said anywhere from 14 inches to 11 inches of rain, depending on where they were at in season. Mm-hmm. And that's about half of what we normally have. And I know some other guys that were about half of that for moisture as well. And their yields are, are quite a bit off. So I, I, I'm not bragging when I say that, but we're very happy with that. We're into corn now. Um, moisture. So moisture's there. Uh, we were in corn 
we tried a little bit of corn in between beans while we're in beans. It was like 21, 23%. like 10 days ago. Today, uh, we're in 109 day, uh, that corn that is 16%. So it dropped moisture quite a bit. So it's ready to go. Well, Corey, we're one of your many fans on Twitter and you've been posting a little bit about tar spot. And I want to talk about that a little bit more because it seems like this is a little bit more of a universal issue that a lot of people are having. So what has that experience been like for you so far? So tar spot came around. I I did a little bit of research. I think it started coming around uh, around 2015 or so was like the first time it was ever recorded. It um, came from like northern Indiana and central Illinois is where it was found. Um, it's been creeping its way west, and we found a little bit of it yesterday. I took a picture and put it on Twitter. It looks like it set in late enough to not affect the yield. The plant was still pretty pretty green pretty late, so I, I'm not worried about it. I am worried about it going forward. Uh, the yields... I'm hearing out of Illinois where it came in early. I'm talking like uh, August 25th kind of time frame, where that tar spot took over that plant and basically killed that plant prematurely. Um, I've heard yield losses of 70 to 100 bushels per acre wow. on that. And the only way to combat it is the fungicide. And the guys that even sprayed once uh, weren't getting it controlled. There were some guys that sprayed three times just to keep it under control. So you talk about being concerned with this moving forward. Is this something that you're going to have to implement a better plan for the 2022 growing season? Okay. So, so tar spot is definitely going to be something that we need to be cognizant of going forward, even if we have it and it's not affecting yields this year, because it it resides in, in plant material that's in the ground. Um, We can choose hybrids that are um, tolerant of it which I don't know if there's a ton of research on yet. Um, so we're going to have to watch going forward. Uh, we can use fungicides, tillage, things of that nature to try to bury that trash and get microbes to do their job and, and get rid of it. But I don't, it doesn't seem like we're going to get rid of it fully. So um, if we're growing corn on corn in those situations, um, we definitely need to be aware of what's going on and, and handle it um, appropriately, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to try and probably talk to an agronomist. No offense, you've done a great job explaining it, but I think that's just <laughs> one topic that a lot of growers have had questions on. And, you know, what does that mean moving forward? Um, Corey, let's talk about something a little more fun and exciting, which is you being a social media, I'm going to call you a micro influencer. You definitely have a presence in the ag industry, both on Twitter and on TikTok. Uh, yep. Tell us about how you go about deciding what you're going to post on, especially TikTok. That one fascinates me. I've never made a TikTok and I'm trying to figure out like, what do I post? Yeah. So TikTok's a, a crazy beast, right? We um, Tanner, um, the other host that you guys had him on a few weeks ago, um, host of the Farm for Profit podcast. He, him and I got on it um, in early 2020, just out of pure curiosity, right? Like people said, don't get on there. It's bad because of China and all that. Well. When you tell me not to do something, what am I going to do? I'm probably going to try it. <laughs> so we ho- we hopped on and we were just mesmerized. Uh, just there was an ag- a small ag community. We call it Farm Talk. Um, we we were just kind of building that from a small small little base of people, and we started putting some videos out there. And then it kind of started becoming a competition. 
of, you know, Tanner put a video out of, I think he was uh, grain vacuuming soybeans or something like that. And it got a million views. And I'm like, it was like a stupid 10 second thing with this song behind it. And I'm like, okay, I'll start trying this. So then it's been a competition. I do want to say I did overpass him and followers um, this last week. So he can take that gut punch. We're definitely going to have to send you a cookie cake or something for surpassing him on followers. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a big deal. <laughs> I'm Not that it's that big of a deal, but the, the whole TikTok thing, uh, it's just like, it reminds me of the days of ag Twitter when it was young, right? Like it's still pretty small, but you could tell that first year, it wasn't that many people. Now there's a lot of people on there and uh, it's, it's awesome. It's everything from satire to, you know, there's agronomists on there that are teaching you about different diseases like this tar spot or ways to grow crops. So, I mean, there's entertainment, um, comedy, and, and definitely education on there. It's like my brain has gotten so used to taking little bits of information at once. So TikTok is just like perfect for that, just to get a little dose of information without, you know, being drowned in all the extra. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's kind of a testament to the way our attention span has gone, I think like the 15 seconds is like the one video um, that you can do. You can do 15 seconds, one minute, or most recently they put three minute videos out, but no one watches three minute videos because their attention span isn't there. Um, The best videos I've ever had were probably 12 seconds or under. And it's just a matter of people flipping through and they're like, Oh, I never knew that before. That's kind of cool. And if you are interested in that, the algorithm knows it knew you watched that video longer than the next one. And all of a sudden you're going to start seeing those pop up more and more on your feed. It's crazy. The amount of trackability digital has now from Facebook to TikTok to Twitter of like seeing what we're watching, seeing what we're consuming and being like, Oh great. I'm going to give you more of this. I think it's, it's cool, yeah. but it's also kind of creepy. Um, yep. Yeah, it is. Corey, what, uh, when you look at the future of agriculture, just to kind of sum things up here, you're doing a lot of things. You also have a diversified operation. I think we've talked to you on the podcast before about some of the things you're doing there in Polk City because you're not just corn and soybeans. You do some um, extra crops, some specialty crops. You also raise hogs. You also podcast. You also TikTok and Twitter and all that stuff. How do you do it all? And what do you see as the future of the industry? Do you see more people being like you being a social influencer and having a diversified operation and also being a podcaster? Um, you know, I'm not on those platforms to be an influencer at all. I think it just comes with, with what happened. I mean, I don't know. You just on there quite a bit. It, it, I guess eventually it'll happen if you put out good stuff or that people find, find it entertaining. I do think, um, you know, you can either get bigger as a farm and, and in our area, we're kind of handcuffed to the point that we can't because of uh, mm-hmm. the way that the town is, is growing. So I've just kind of diversified myself and that's kind of the way my, my brain enjoys to uh, be worked. It likes to be busy. Uh, if I farmed just a hundred percent and did nothing else, then I think I would be bored. So the way to uh, do in these podcasts and, different crops and I even sell a little bit of seed. It's just, it's something new every day and gives me, always gives me a challenge. And, uh, you know, and just like that, we're going to be probably announcing some new stuff coming up very shortly on the farm for profit side. 
that is pretty big too. So I don't know. I guess we just brought my brother back to the farm and maybe I'll start doing more of that stuff and, uh, and just help be, be a farm helper. I don't know. We'll see. Well, Corey, as we're wrapping up here, I'm going to go ahead and challenge you that if you get any new followers on TikTok after our episode, I'm going to challenge you to do one of the, you know, famous TikTok dances that all of like the 17 year old girls are doing on my for you page. So I'm going to go ahead and challenge you to that. So if any of our followers (laughs) do want to go and check you out and see if you actually live up to this challenge, where can they find you out online? So most of my platforms is corn, pork, in beans so the and is not an and it's an end so corn pork and beans that's it's corn underscore pork and beans on twitter corn pork and beans on tiktok i am on instagram but i can't seem to figure that thing out <laughs> so yep well Corey, we certainly enjoyed having you on today and good luck with the rest of harvest yeah can i say can i say your guys is uh outro absolutely and and I don't even know who to call you guys because you I can't tell you guys apart on the phone. So I'm just going <laughs> to say Ash Ash Laney. Should we let the people go? Let's, Let's let them go. go.